0: Welcome to Standout, where you're going to hear from some exceptional entrepreneurs. You'll learn what steps they took to get them where they are. And what you can do to make your mark. I'm your host, Cheryl Tan, with CherylTanMedia.com. You can find the episodes and the show notes all in one place at CherylTanMedia.com forward slash podcast. Sign up for my weekly newsletter there and get media strategies I only share with readers. Thanks so much for continuing to support the show. If you can believe it, this is episode number 17. We all learn differently, and today we're talking about learning from our mistakes. Shelley Smith, the founder and CEO of Premier Rapport, says she is learning all the time, and she's turned those life lessons into a true education for the business leader she guides. Shelley started out in the corporate world and transitioned into the entrepreneurial one, offering executive support to the leaders of companies, the ones in the C-suite. I know you'll enjoy our conversation which focuses on the mistakes entrepreneurs make when growing their companies and ways you can build your company the smart way from the ground up. Shelly Smith, thanks so much for joining us for Standout.
1: Oh, I am so thrilled to be here today. Thank you so much.
0: Shelly, you are the founder and CEO of Premier Rapport, an organizational design company based in Newport News, Virginia. And we've known each other for a couple of years. I've really watched the growth of your company. And, and I'm so excited to be able to share your story with my audience. I know very simply that your firm helps companies grow by growing the leaders. And I've always loved that because you're working from the top down. But tell us how you got your start in business, how you made that decision to become an entrepreneur.
1: Sure. So it's a long story that I'll try to keep short, but I came through life from a family-owned business into a really large corporation with Marriott into the franchise world and thought it was about the brick and mortar. And through a series of events, I found out it was about the people. It was about the development, the mentorship, you know, the coaching, the counseling that and I, you know, I will say landed by luck and a huge blessing into what it is that I do today and what I do within the firm. And that's the development of people in a nutshell.
0: (laughs) It kind of always goes back to relationships and people, doesn't it?
1: It does. It does. Which is why I always say it's all about the connection.
0: So yeah. So let's talk about the growth of a leader. When you are the boss, when you're the CEO of a company, you're supposed to know everything, right? You're not supposed to need any help. You're not supposed to uh, need to reach out to anybody. And I'm sure that you've found, number one, that it's lonely at the top. And number two, that it's not true that you don't need help.
1: (laughs) No, exactly. There are Maybe there is someone who's doing it alone, but I sure the heck, I'm not aware of it. We can't do it alone. We can't. We just can't. We're not perfect. We have to have all those things that fill in who we are, the pieces of the puzzle and the different gaps. So yes, and yes, it is lonely at the top and everybody says that.
0: (laughs) You started your business a few years ago. Let's talk about how you've grown the company. And then I would definitely love to talk about how you help other people grow their companies. But for Premier Rapport, how did that start? Like first customers, first forays into business, and then how have you grown that company?
1: Sure, so I started a little over seven years ago and my first venture out with my anomaly actually purchased a franchise called the Alternative Board out of Colorado. So I had that for about a year and uh, thought I knew franchising from my previous life, but realized I really didn't. So it took some bumps and bruises. Um, I, you know, I did my traditional business plan and I thought I knew what I was doing to quickly find out that I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) Uh, All the numbers I'd put together really didn't come to fruition. So it's really true that your first thought Uh, you just need to know that it's not going to (laughs) work. Just sort of scrap it. Uh, So probably about the the hundredth try, I got it right. So a year into it, I actually sold that off, started what I have today, uh, took some bumps and bruises. And the key thing of now for the growth, as well as everything that I deal with now with, with different executives, is clarity on what are you solving and who are you solving it for and then go. And uh, I didn't do that. So originally I was just so excited. I wanted to get out there and help anybody and everybody and really just did it the wrong way. I didn't have that clarity. So now the strategy, I live and breathe what I I coach people to do, and that is to have the clarity. So now I'm happy to say that I understand who my target is and what it is that I'm doing and when to grow, when to add staff, and when to use contractors. And and again, those are things that I have learned, and then I I happily share my learnings with others.
0: I think it's interesting that you started as a franchisor. You you tried to uh, become a business owner via the franchise model. And that's supposed to be the blueprint, right? That's supposed to be yeah. kind of turnkey and it's magic and, and franchisees, and that's the word I want, the franchisees feel like uh, they don't need to do anything to make it work, yeah. kind of like pour in water and it's going to be magically done for you. What kinds of lessons did you learn about yourself back then? Because I, you know, I've actually never heard that story before.
1: Well, you know, everything that you just said is right. You go into it because it's sort of this safe haven, if you will. You're like, there's the blueprints. I've got it. Let me go do it. So I certainly had the passion and the drive to do it, but I didn't. I maybe realize my strengths and more so I did realize my strengths, but didn't realize all my weaknesses. And for me, it was the selling ability. Um, And when I say selling, it was, uh, I was always in the operational side and I hired the human resource and I hired the business developers and I certainly could hold the business developers accountable, but this was me having to go out and do business development and that wasn't my thing. I just want to go get in and help and fix but I don't want to have to go through the sales process. Mm -hmm. So that was a big learning curve that if you're going to go into a franchise and many franchises, you better know how to sell. (laughs) So, and be comfortable with that. I'm actually an introvert. And for people who know me today versus knew me 10 years ago, they're always shocked at, at the difference that, um, that I really have come into my own skin of being an extroverted individual when really I'm an introvert and people just don't believe that. So I do still have to push myself out. So that was a huge learning curve of how do you go and be authentic and say that you're going to be authentic, but yet you do have to become this other person in order to get the business going and done. So that was a huge learning curve, and now I'm comfortable with that. Does
0: that make sense? It No, it makes complete sense, and I know that you're big on – Networking and relationships and meetings and
1: I'm my own oxymoron. <laughs> well,
0: and you know I think that's the beauty of it too is you may not inherently love being around so many people, but uh, and, and a lot of people feel that way. They just they just do. They're made up that way. But you've learned how to overcome these things and make it something that a adds value to you in your business, and maybe you've come to enjoy it. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: And it's knowing that you've got to turn it on and being really psyched and positive about why you're turning it on. And then also, you're very in tune to how you refuel. You know, a true extrovert is going to refuel with others and mm. celebrate and keep that energy going. And an introvert just wants to be left alone. Right.
0: <laughs> to recharge <laughs> <That> makes- alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah. let's fast forward then to Premier Rapport. So goodbye, franchise. Hello, your own venture. What did you do differently? How did you make this something that you knew couldn't fail? Or at least maybe the pieces that you did differently that you put together that maybe you didn't do the first time or the first few times.
1: (laughs) Yeah, actually, it was going back to, it's a process called empathy mapping, which I love. It's, you know, a SWOT analysis on steroids, but it helps you clarify, okay, wait, stop. What am I trying to solve? Why do people need me? You know, we all want to be special. (laughs) But, you know, really, what is it that you're bringing to the table for an individual and why would you hire yourself and figuring out those problems that you're really going to solve and then going out and saying, who am I solving them for? Where's the best fit? What do they read? Where do they breathe? Where do, What do they like? So really just going back to the core of defining what is it I'm solving? Who am I solving it for? And then creating the processes of the systems. And that's probably the second piece. So once you understand um, who you're creating it for and why, it's going back and really layering all the processes that work in the structure, which I'm huge on structure and processes. Mm. So from there, where I had the brick and mortar and I had all the overhead expenses, because I was all excited to go in full force, I realized I didn't need all of those things Mm. for the type of industry I had chosen. So I backed off and restructured myself. And now today I do have a few employees, but then I also engage, depending on what the project is, I engage all kinds of different contractors, depending on how big the contract is or what type it is. So that was a huge lesson learned, if you will. And I bring that into the business for people I consult.
0: Right. And I think they appreciate the vulnerability and the lessons that you've learned that you take to help move them forward. So the people you work with now are the big bosses. They're the leaders, right? Yes.
1: Typically it's going to be a a medium to large size company that maybe the corporate office has 300 associates or more. And then they could have uh, obviously other sites or individuals out in the field, but it's working with the C-suite, if you will, Mm -hmm. the direct owner, the chairman of the board, maybe the board of directors, and then helping them with the vision that they have at hand of what problem are they solving and who are they serving.
0: That's interesting. So you took uh, the questions that you had to ask yourself building your business, and you have to turn around and ask them, which may be, and I'm I'm only imagining that this could be a little muddied because you're you have so many employees and so many day to day things that you're trying to keep afloat that sometimes that why kind of gets lost. S- yes. So what kinds of challenges do they face? Do uh, CEOs? And so I imagine the people listening or watching this our CEOs, they're not maybe of 300 person companies, but maybe one day. So what are some of those roadblocks that you find that your CEOs face that any one of us could be dealing with?
1: Sure. Uh, A lot of the folks that I do executive coaching, just Mm one-on-one for some of the smaller folks. So they still may be in the million dollar mark, Mm -hmm. but they may only have 10 associates or 15 associates in order to do that. What I typically see is they get lost in that. And I even had two calls this morning of this very conversation. They get lost in the, they want to be liked, but they want to be in control. Mm -hmm. They want to have a policy, but then they want to bend it. And they just get tripped up in their own niceness, if you will. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they lose really perspective that it is still their company. There's a reason why they created XYZ Company and who they're serving. And it's okay to be firm and fair. And I encourage you to be firm and fair. So really the big things that are common from startups all the way through the ones that have really large uh, employee bases and revenue Understand who your target is. It goes back to what I said. Understand who your target is. What is it you're trying to do to help them from a product or a service? And wrapping that that thread all the way through it, there's a great, great, great book called The Pumpkin Plan. And mm-hmm. not even going to try to say his, his say his last name, but you can anybody can Google The Pumpkin Plan. It really talks about being specific about what it is you do and why you do and how you're going to do it and not to go too broad, which leads me to the next... So many um, folks get excited and they want to add products and services and they start with this great idea and then they go, oh, I can do this. Oh, I can do this. Oh, I can do this. It reminds me of a, uh, a show that they used to do, a game show in Hawaii, where you would get inside of a big money pit, whirlwind piece, do you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? <laughs> you, would stay, you would stand inside of a, a money pit and it would have all kinds of dollar bills in it, all, all different sizes, and they would turn on an air vacuum. And you got to grab As everything.
0: much as you could. <laughs> you got to take,
1: keep it. Well, so many times executives and startups say, I want that and that and that and that. And before you know it, you've threaded yourself and everyone else too thin. And you can't even give a clear value proposition. Your website is all over the board. Everything about you is all over the board because you're trying to serve so many. That problem is common regardless of size. Mm-hmm. And then number two is as you grow... The big common theme is the the staff, you know, hiring too fast. I always say uh, slow to hire and quick to fire. You've got to vet the processes. There's all kinds of tools out there that you can use to help you uh, to try the right, to find the right associates, the right team members, whether they're contractors that you're bringing in or whether they're folks that you're bringing in on the staff. So the big ones are clarity, what you're solving, who you're solving it for. Don't thread yourself, spread yourself too wide, and then the hiring. Those are really the top three common mistakes, if you say, or Mm -hmm. or opportunities that I see across the board with everybody that I work with.
0: So going back to your first example where the employer doesn't want to be the mean guy but still has rules to enforce, is it easier to do everything you need to do if you just funnel, funnel it through, this is what we're meant to be? this is what XYZ company is meant to do. I mean, you still need to have rules and you still need to enforce them, but is it easier if you get your employee on board? Because that's what it sounds like, is it's not just your target customer that needs to know that he or she is right for you, but you also need to know as an employer that your employee is on board with you. So maybe just by clarifying that passion or what it is that you do, that everybody's on the same page. Is, is, that, that's, I think, what you're saying too, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. The people that you hire need to have and understand your vision and really need to have the same characteristics and values that you do. Um, because so many times we do get sucked into a great interview and you bring people aboard to find out that they're wanting to go this way and you really want to go this way. So clarity first on your branding, on the type of culture that you want to have. So when you, yes, so when you're interviewing, you're having those conversations and, and it's truly a conversation and not that you're drilling an employee, a potential employee during the interview process, especially today, the millennials, um, especially are getting really great and savvy at being able to sit at the table that's being interviewed and flip it around mm-hmm. and, and interviewing you. So you better have your brand straight, your culture straight, and mm-hmm. and not willing to really waver on those conversations. So the expectations are clear when
0: someone is coming to you. For potentially as an employee. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Complete sense. And I think it's interesting what you said about sometimes that conversation being turned back on you, like you need to know your stuff yeah. in order to be able to hire the people you want to continue to grow your team. Everyone wants to grow, right? I think yeah. the, the point is, is to grow. And you've seen the growth go very badly. <laughs> Can you talk about some of that bad growth? And some of the things that could have gone better, like what you would have changed or what you have changed to make that growth more of a smooth process.
1: So I think a lot of it has to do with your confidence. Again, initially, you want to say yes to everything Mm -hmm. and being able to set your boundaries of what you should and shouldn't take and who is it that, again, that you're really trying to help and you're capable of helping. So initially, I said yes to everything and everybody. I signed up to every organization known to man, thinking I was gonna have time for everything. Uh, didn't coordinate my schedule and calendar events with their schedules and calendars Uh-oh. of events to realize, oh great, I just paid membership, but I can't meet any of the meetings. Um so number one is being clear with what you're able to do from a time management standpoint. I learned the hard way that I really bit off way more than I could chew. But in the same token, I was able to clarify the organizations that fit for me. So that was a good lesson learned. And again, I'm able to, to say that to others. Setting your boundaries and having confidence. I have to say, I wish that I could talk people through that. But the reality is you you have to experience that a little bit yourself to believe it. And and that pumpkin plan book actually talks about some of that. But I said yes to everything. And I took business that I probably should not have taken. I tried a a couple of different ways to get business. I did some, you know, the free uh, pieces as well, or the 90 day trials, just sort of to try to get myself out there. Probably I would have done it again because I had to learn what worked and what didn't. And I had to build my confidence. So I went through that stage of clarity and my own value proposition and what it is I really bring to the table. I met some great people, but I learned some lessons along the way. And now because of that, I'm I'm very confident at pricing, for example, the mm-hmm. value proposition, for example, the customers that I really should be serving and helping and sort of what my niche is, and that that took some time, and you have to be patient with that. Key thing is you've got to be willing to pivot. It's working, stay there, understand what's working. When it's not working, understand it's not working, and pivot, and pivot, <laughs> and pivot until you get the right groove. Does that make
0: sense? It is. But how hard is that for someone who's leading so many employees, uh, dozens to hundreds, to? to pivot because it makes it sound like, oh, I've made a mistake. And maybe you help guide them through that process.
1: Right. It's it's uh, circling yourself with folks that you are really your accountability partners, whether mm. it's a, an executive coach, mm-hmm. like part of my firm, or someone within your firm that you trust and you're able to take, I call it taking the mask off. Mm. You've got to have somebody who is your mentor, your confidant, your accountability coach that says, hey, I'm working on X. Or I'm looking for X and I need you to be a part of that process and tell me when I'm on target and off target. When we don't have you can't hold yourself accountable. You you can't. So it is lonely at the top. And those folks have got to find people that they can talk to, talk about what's working and what's not, because if not, you do get into the circle. The executive coaching has really gone on this huge craze, if you will, over the last five years. When I got into the game seven years ago, it was still a little bit unheard of and thought that if someone has an executive coach, there must be something wrong. Well now it's almost that wow, you don't have an executive coach. All I do. It's <laughs> it's completely changed. Because people realize that, number one, it's only at the top. And number two, you need an outside, unbiased, straight shooter Mm -hmm. that will tell you and and call you on your game, you know, call you bull, Eh, you know, you're procrastinating, you're not focused, you committed to do this. Well, why are you not doing that? What's going to happen if you do? What's going to happen if you don't? And really ask you those tough
0: questions. Interesting. And so when you work with people, what do they say afterward? After you've given them some tough love and you're like... Uh, I don't want to hear this, but I have to. What what happens to their business? What are the possibilities?
1: Possibilities are you uh, the owners have less stress. The executives have less That's stress. Interesting. Um, when they're able to build trust and confidence not just with themselves and their leadership but build trust with their uh, associates their team members whatever they call them they just realize and they usually look at me and go wow I wish you would have already done that wow I should have listened to you last year so that that's typically the response is it's the nice break smile it's that they're able to go on vacation without having to call into the office and they're able to, here's, here's my big one. When I, when they tell me that so-and-so went on vacation and I told them to turn off their email <laughs> we had it, or they told me to turn off my email that they had it. That's when I look at them and go, you did it. You did it. You're there.
0: Yeah.
1: The, you know, the five-star leader that Jim Collins talks about is the one that they walk away and they're needed. They're missed, sure, but they're not, they're missed, but they're not needed. Right
0: they're not so, critical to the to the day to day whatever yeah. yeah oh that's great when
1: you step away and and your phone and your email and everything is blowing up on a continual basis i'm not talking about you know a crisis happens right. but you need to stop and ask yourself hmm maybe i could do something a little different <laughs> and so that's the telltale sign so when they see the release you know they're able to enjoy their life and not just the business that's that's when i know that it's working and that's typically when they'll come back and go wow I'm back to why I started the business. I love my business again. Mm. I love it when I hear that. I love my business again.
0: Oh, I love that. That's great. What um, What would you say has been uh, the best way that you've been able to grow your business or, or or get more for your company? What has worked the best? What strategy or tactic or...
1: For me, it's getting in front of different groups, Hmm. so uh, different speaking engagements. I I don't know too many industries that that doesn't work for. Hmm. So it's finding the right audience, but when you can get in front of, number one, it helps you uh, validate your craft and continue to hone in on your craft, and... uh, Um, you're perceived as an expert because you're talking on, you know, talking on a a particular topic and then the word of mouth happens. So, you know, do I think you need to do all of the necessary branding and SEO and uh, public relations, all of that stuff? Yeah, you do. You got to be on Twitter. You got to be on Facebook and you got to be on all those things Um, and you have to be consistent. But the reality is um, you have to be found in public too And typical businesses still get it by word of mouth. Mm -hmm. And you have to be found and you have to be for people want to buy from you and me directly. So they want to get to know you, which is really different than prior to the 2006, seven and eight. Mm -hmm. So um, you have to put yourself out there. You have to network. And for me, that's been the game changer. So do I get stuff off of my website? I absolutely do. I just got another phone call last night from somebody who just Googled and found me. But most of my business, 90% of my business is word of mouth. Mm -hmm. So, and word of mouth comes from the networking groups, comes from the speaking engagements. And some of those you do have to do complimentary. And then some of them, you're able to get the paid side of it. But you've got to be willing to get out there and share your knowledge. And don't expect anything back. When I go out to do something for a nonprofit, for example... I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do and I get excited. So that's the other thing is keep yourself in check and make sure you're doing it for the right reasons.
0: I love that. Love that. We like to talk about habits on the show and some of the things that you do regularly that you know has led to success, whether it's uh, networking or getting out there on a regular basis, whatever it is, what are some of your habits for success?
1: Sure. So one thing that I do every year is I send a survey out to my clients. Now, mm-hmm. I'm big on talking to my clients a lot. I send them thank you notes, you know, the emails, the stop by, the phone calls, you know, I really do stay in front of my clients, but I also besides the one-on-one feedback, I send a formal survey out once a year and I really dive into what's working, anything that I committed to do in the prior year survey. So it's just like doing an associate opinion survey, but I do it on my clients. And, uh, I share that with my team and say, Hey guys, this is where we're on target. This is where we need to pivot a little bit and uh, have any sorts of improvement, so that's one thing. The additional piece is um, being, staying focused on your craft. So I believe in reading is definitely helpful. Uh, going to and attending any conferences. So those are some of the big picture things. Mm-hmm. The networking on top of day to day. I'm very focused on, again, the systems and the checklist. My calendar has the the colors of the rainbow. (laughs) Green, I preach green. If I don't have green in my calendar for the day, green means money. If I don't have stuff scheduled green, it makes me crazy, and I make the team crazy. Um, So for me, it's the ritual of looking at the calendar. I usually look week of really heavy, and then on Fridays, I'll look at the month. And they look at where am I focused on marketing? Where am I focused on sales? Who do I have that I haven't talked to in a while? So I'll put in all of my calendar of clients I need to call or stop by and visit um, any process system. And then, of course, the projects themselves. So daily routines are is time management. I'm a big believer on you know, putting the projects and making it visible, not just for myself, but for my entire team. And then I do one-on-ones with team members once a week. They're usually 15, 20 minutes. And then once a month, I'll have a bigger broad perspective team meeting, and then we'll dive into really what's going on the next 90 days. So I always try to stay ahead of it um, from the pipeline as well as maintaining our current clients.
0: Nice systems. Really. That's so important. How can people get in touch with you, learn more about you and and the uh, projects and things that you offer?
1: Sure. So the website's the easy thing, but uh, premierreport.com. But I do uh, exist on LinkedIn pretty active and Facebook. (laughs) And I've had Twitter for a while. I'm starting to be a little more active on that. And because of you, I've picked up Periscope too. So I'm scooping now because, (laughs) I... You have to again. You have to get in the game. So I right. try to, to stay pretty active with everything and share the content across the board.
0: Shelley, thank you so much for sharing such good information. Any last words? And and before you say goodbye, uh, and before we say thank you, I do want to ask you what makes you a standout.
1: You know, I've I've, I've been nervous of you asking me that question. <laughs> uh, I would like to think what makes me a standout is I'm transparent. I've sat in many boats from a business perspective and from personal life. And I believe, you know, there's another book called Most People Don't that I love. And when I read that book, I thought to myself, I'm not one of those most people don't meeting. Mm -hmm. Most people don't follow up. Most people don't do what they say. Most people, their actions don't always align. And I would like to think that I stand out because I do do what I say. I, and, and I do it when I say I'm going to do it or a little bit ahead of time. And I think, well, I know that from this, the client surveys, they like that. They're always a little bit shocked when I have a new client. They're like, oh, my gosh, you actually sent the recap. Wow, <laughs> we're actually meeting our milestones. So I would say that's what makes me stand out.
0: That's pretty incredible. Like yeah. Well, congratulations on your success. And thank you so very much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure talking with you.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Be well.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Standout. I'll link to the book Shelly mentions as well as share her contact information in this show's show notes. Just go to CherylTanMedia.com forward slash podcast. This is episode number 17. It has been an honor to connect with so many forward-thinking entrepreneurs. The best way to get their stories in front of more people is to subscribe to and review the show on iTunes. Thank you in advance for your support. If you'd like to be reminded when new standout episodes come out, you can sign up for my newsletter at CherylTanMedia.com. Until next time, thanks so much for joining me. I'm Cheryl Tan.